Today we begin the New Testament Bible Challenge. And I wanted to say a word about how this is designed. Uh, this is not just something we threw together and threw out there. Because um, we want you to be more religious. Uh, because we want you just to read the Bible more. Um, we put this together in such a way as to really encourage you not only to read Scripture more, but to gain more from what you read. Um, I think many of us are in the habit of digesting the scripture in very small bits. Um, I know I get a daily devotional emailed to me every day, and it's usually a single verse, sometimes two. And while there is value in that, and I gain something from that verse of scripture, um, 
how much more would I gain if I had it in the context in which it was written? Um, for instance, uh, uh, there was a verse from Ephesians that was pulled out the other day. And it was meaningful, but I discover it's more meaningful if I read that verse in the context of the ones that go before it and after it. So what if I were just to read the whole book of Ephesians in one sitting and get not only that scripture, but all the ones that go with it? I mean, I don't know how you read letters. Um, if I get a personal letter from somebody and say there's four paragraphs, I don't sit down and say, you know, I think I'll read one paragraph a day for four days uh, to, to see what's going on in this person's life. You know, we wouldn't do that. You, you read the whole thing. And most of the New Testament are letters. So why would we treat them any different? So what this Bible challenge is designed to do, 17 of the 27 books you're going to be reading, you're going to read in their entirety in one sitting. You're going to read them together. You're going to read all of Ephesians, all of Philippians, all of Colossians, all of 1 Timothy. You know, you're going to read that whole chunk of scripture. And I know it's going to enrich your understanding that much more when you read it all together. And so that's the, that's the reason we put this together the way it did. I actually started out, I was going to ask you to read the New Testament in 27 days, a book a day. But I realized that for some of the larger ones, like the Gospels, that might be too much. So, um, but like today, for instance, you read the first nine chapters of Matthew. You're going to get a third of his Gospel in one sitting. And I think it's going to put the things that Jesus says and does in, in a greater context. You'll get a bigger picture than you would if you just said, I'm going to read a chapter a day for a month and read that Gospel. So that, there is a, a method to our madness. There is a reason this is designed the way it is. And I know it, it may be a lot for some of you if you're not a very good reader or a very strong reader. Uh, I do want to remind you there, there are audio Bibles. Uh, if you have a smartphone, you can actually download a Bible free. Uh, and you can even get it to read it to you. And all you'd have to do is listen to it. Um, but I want to encourage you to... Uh, to join us in that. And to prepare for that, I want us to look at, at just the significance of this book we call the Bible. You know, as Christians, we've been told all our lives, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. There are still many people who have never read this entire book. There are still parts of Scripture that some of you have never looked at in your life. And so we're encouraging you at least to take that, that part we call the New Testament. And we're going we're gonna to read it in its entirety. Um, and it's kind of ironic. We're doing a New Testament challenge, but I chose an Old Testament scripture to talk about it. But that just shows you the continuity of God's Word. Um, I'm going to look at Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 is the largest uh, longest chapter in the entire Bible. It's 176 verses. And I thought about reading the whole thing, but uh, there is a Colts game today. Uh, there are some time constraints, so I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, in fact, I'm just going to read four 
But I want you to know that of all these 176 verses, nearly every one of them is written about the importance of, the value of, the significance of God's Word. This chapter is a tribute to the Word of God and how much it meant to the psalmist who wrote it. Um, there are a lot of different words that are used in this psalm for the Word of God. They may use the word law, precept, statute, ordinance, promise, but they're all meant to convey the same thing. That the Bible is indeed the Word of God. It is not just a book about God. It is the thoughts of God that were inspired by its human authors to write it. I'm going to start with verse 97. And I'm going to read 97, 98, 105, and 114 as if it were a single scripture reading. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Oh, how I love your law. And he uses the word law there because we have to remember that when the Psalms were written, the Bible only consisted of five books. They did have some books of the prophets. But for the most part, when they talked about Scripture at that point, it was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which are called the books of the law. So when he says, oh, how I love your law, he's saying, oh, how I love your word. Your word as we have it. Which made me stop and ask the question, do I love God's word? Is it something that really has that much meaning for me? Have you ever thought about reading a book? Maybe there's a book coming out by your favorite author and you pre-order the book and you anticipate the book and you get the book and it disappoints. It's like, oh, this really isn't as good a read as I thought it might be. And then there are other books that someone recommends to me. Oh, you ought to read this book. It's a good book. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not sure I'm that excited about reading that book. And then as I start in it, I can't put it down. It's a great book. And I stay up late at night reading that book, and I'm excited about it. So on that scale from disappointed to excited, where do we put God's Word? When we sit down to read the Bible, is there a sense of anticipation that I'm going to gain some, some knowledge, some wisdom, some something here that will really make a difference in my life? Or do we approach it with the idea that, oh, I'm going to just read a little more of this, I guess. You know, part of it may depend upon how you feel about the author. <laughs> Have you ever had a chance to read a book by someone you knew personally? Someone you'd met? Someone you've gotten to know? Does that affect how you read their books at that point? 
My favorite Christian author for many years has been Max Lucado. I love the way Max writes. Um, and he speaks the same. And I had a chance about 10 years ago to go to a pastor's meeting where Max Lucado was the main speaker. And then we got to do kind of a meet and greet kind of thing afterwards. I got to shake his hand. I got to talk to him. And it changed somewhat my perspective. I always enjoyed his books. But after that, I enjoyed him even more. Because I now knew Max Lucado. I even have a book he signed for me personally. Plus, it's fun to go to pastor's meetings and they mention authors and they mention Max Lucado and you go, oh yeah, I know him. <laughs> oh yeah, Max and I, we're, we're like this. You know, <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> I talked to him for two minutes. And if you were to call Max Lucado today and say, do you remember Roger Gardner from Elwood, Indiana? He would certainly say, no. <laughs> no, I, I don't. But, but it meant something to me. And, and it changed. So I guess what I'm saying to you is your relationship with God will affect your, your interest or your enthusiasm for reading his word. The closer you are to the author, the more meaningful his words become. One thing I, that, that makes the Bible so meaningful to me is that it is both timely and timeless. It's timely because, you know, with all the stuff going on in our world today, we have all the natural disasters, we have all the terrorist things, we have the Las Vegas shooting, all this stuff that happens. I can go to God's Word and find hope and comfort and peace in the midst of those tragedies. It's timely. It's not just an ancient book. I, I love that song we sang earlier, Ancient Words Ever True changing me, changing you. Because they are timely words. Because they're true. And because they're true, they're also timeless. They were true when they were written and they're true today. Where else can I go in this world to find truth, absolute truth, truth that's bedrock, truth that I can stand on and say this is true, this is right, and it's going to be true and right my entire life. It's never going to change. I don't know where in the world I find that. But I know where I can find it. And it's in God's Word. I'm calling it a Bible challenge because the challenge is to resist the tendency to think we know enough. Especially those of us who have been Christians for a while. We may have been reading and studying the Bible for decades. It's real easy to get to a point to say, you know, I don't know it all, but I know enough. I pretty well have all the highlights, the big points. I don't think I'm missing much. I don't really need to keep reading this. I don't need to keep studying this. You know, I love what the psalmist said. He said, I love your law and I meditate on it all day long. You don't just read the scripture. Meditate on the scripture. Don't let that word throw you. You know, we think of meditation as something that's part of Eastern mysticism or religion or philosophy. 
that type of meditation is designed to empty your mind. Biblical meditation is designed to fill your mind. We don't want you to empty it. We want you to fill it with the things of God, with the thoughts of God, so that you can understand the heart of God. And meditation is simply focused thinking. Have you ever sat and pondered a problem? There's just something you, you know, I got to figure this out. You're meditating on that problem. You're focusing your thinking around that problem. Someone that's special to you in your life, sometimes you find yourself just sitting and thinking about them and what they mean to you. That's meditation. Anytime you focus your thoughts around something, you're meditating on it. And so what, what he is telling us is, don't just read God's word, but focus your thoughts around what you read. When we do this Bible challenge, don't just look, okay, I've got to read Matthew 1 to 9 and sit down and say, I'm going to read these as fast as I possibly can. You want to read it, and as you read it, you want to focus your thoughts around it. What is that really saying? What is it saying about the Lord? What is it saying about where I am in my life right now? About my relationship with Him? What does that mean for me today? See, that's meditation. And if we do that, if we not only read it but meditate on it, there are a number of benefits that come our way. In 119.98, he said, Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Do you need wisdom? I need wisdom. And I don't just want the wisdom of this world. I want God's wisdom in my life. I want the wisdom to make choices that I'm not going to regret. I want the wisdom to make decisions that are going to lead me closer to Him rather than farther away from Him. And that wisdom only comes from Him, and it comes from His Word. He will impart His wisdom to you when you focus on His Word. He goes on to say, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you've ever taken a walk out in the woods at night, you know the value of a steady beam. To shine on your path. When Kim and I were directing church camp one year, we uh, had vespers way out in the back vesper area. And when we went out there, it was kind of light. But when we came back, it was dark, and I forgot my flashlight one time. And you couldn't see a thing. It was a cloudy night. There was no, no moonlight, no stars, no anything. So I found me a kid that had uh, a flashlight and said, I'm going to walk with you. The problem was the kid didn't understand the meaning of the flashlight or the value of it. While we're walking down the dark path through the woods, every sound that would happen around him would cause him to move that light. Oh, look at that. Look over there. I wonder what that was. And, you know, while he's doing that, I'm stumbling over tree roots. I'm getting smacked in the face with tree limbs. I finally suggest, why don't you let me hold that? <laughs> like this. Here we go. Here we go. See that? Light on path. Works every time. <laughs> and that's, that's when we read God's word and meditate on it, focus our thoughts on it, 
it begins to shine that light. It begins to illuminate different paths before us and say, you know, that one's probably not going to take you where you want to be. That one's probably going to lead you into trouble. This one's going to cause you to drift away from God. This path right here seems to be the one you want. And it's going to shine that light on that path for us. And then Psalm 119, 114 said, You are my refuge and shield. I have put my hope in your word. What I hear people today say more than anything else is they just need hope. I mean, there is so much going on in our world that is bad. There is so much that makes you doubt what tomorrow is going to bring and makes you skeptical about the future. And where is that hope going to come from? It's going to come from here. It's going to come from the word of the Lord. The one who is the creator of heaven and earth. The one who is sovereign over this world. The one who is in control of everything that happens. That's where my hope's going to come from. You know, as I wrote this message, I couldn't help but think of Bob Williams. <laughs> Bob lived to be over 90 years old. He was uh, a member of this church for more than 70 of those years. Lifelong Christian. But of all the things you might say about Bob Williams, he understood the value of this. I never went to his house, but his Bible was not right there beside him. Not off somewhere on a table, not over on a shelf somewhere, right there beside him, where he could read it every day. His eyesight had gotten kind of bad, and he had to have one of those giant print Bibles. You know, it has like five words on a page. And it, 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 makes, it makes it a really, it was like a dictionary. I mean, it was a really heavy, kind of thick Bible. And it got to be too much for him to actually hold it and read it. And most people at that point would say, well, I, you know, I've been reading it all my life. I can set it aside now. But now Bob, he got an art easel <laughs> that you'd put a canvas on to paint. And he could set his Bible up on that easel. And all he had to do was turn the pages so he could read it. And when we laid Bob to rest right here in this sanctuary, that Bible went in his casket with him. It was never far from him in life, and we sent it with him in death. Because Bob had figured out something that I hope each and every one of us will learn. That the whole purpose of reading and studying and meditating on the Bible is not to gain more knowledge or even understanding, but it's primarily to have a deeper relationship with God. To know the one whose word it is. And I hope that will happen for us. I hope we'll join together in this New Testament Bible challenge. And I hope as you read through the Gospels over the next few days, you hear Jesus speaking to you. I hope as you move into the other books of the New Testament, into Acts, you hear the early church speaking to you. 
I hope as you move into the letters of Paul and Peter and John and some of the others who write, that you read them not just ancient documents, but you read them as being written to you so that you too can have a deeper walk with God. Let us pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you have given us your word. Forgive us for our neglect of it. Forgive us when we take it for granted and treat it less than it truly is, a priceless treasure. I pray that every day you would help us to find your wisdom, your hope, your light in the pages of your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
stuff. 